Welcome back to the Has Been Hoops podcast. Were though we need to start with your charity ride that you inverted commas completed over the weekend? How did it go? Yeah, didn't quite complete it, but uh, there's a good reason why. Uh, first off, I'd just like to thank everyone that donated. Uh, we got a uh, $4,600 in the end in donations. Um, my little team of seven was able to raise $55,000 and the 1,600 riders that did the ride did $8.8 million for cancer yeah. research. So it is an incredible honour to be able to ride in this charity race every year. Well, not race, but ride for, for Cure. And um, for me, uh, the 110 Ks on a Saturday in 33-degree heat with a... A headwind was uh, far from easy with a bit of cramping, but made our way, was able to enjoy a couple of beers on the Sunday night and an early, very, very early night sleep for me on a Sunday night. Uh, Sunday, I was about 40 Ks in to the 100 Ks on Sunday um, when uh, the person in front of me uh, had to stop suddenly to, to miss um, a can that had been flicked up into his bike. Uh, which resulted in me uh, running into the back of his bike and then going over the top of the handlebars. Uh, I do have a bit of grazing on the face. I have a fair bit of my shoulder taken off at the moment, elbows and hands, a bit of grazing. Um, and as soon as it happened, it all happened in slow-mo. But the one thing that I've always remained, and even when I talked to Parky about it yesterday, was... It's such an insignificant thing compared to what other people are going through on a daily basis that I'm fine. I'm going to be all right. I'm, uh, I'm shitty that I couldn't complete the ride. Um, but um, I'm glad that we we're able to raise so much money for such a, a, a good cause. You, you told us when we spoke to you yesterday and once we knew you were okay, we were able to give you a little bit of shit. But um, you went face first. So I'm not sure if anyone can see this yeah. video, but you got grazing over the left side of your eye. Your left shoulder's in a bit of strife. But talk us through your thought process when all six foot nine of you went over the handlebars right behind <laughs> one of your best mates who just uh, clearly he stayed on his bike and uh, <laughs> you didn't. Yeah, um, it all sort of happened in slow motion. The one thing that I knew when going over the top of your handlebars is to keep holding onto the handlebars because uh, if you go out to break your fall, that's when you really graze your hands and or break your collarbone. Um, and obviously with myself, with so many shoulder injuries in the past, uh, there was a moment of panic there as well. Um, but as soon as you do the tumble turn and someone behind me said it was probably the most graceful fall anyone's ever seen, someone going head first into concrete, um, <laughs> I realised that I was going to be okay. Um, I knew that there was going to be a bit, bit of scarring or grazing, but um, I, I knew I was going to be okay. Let's, let's get on to the basketball. And there's, there's a little bit to talk about, and we're not going to rip through a list today, but I want to start a little bit differently today. And we, we've spoken a lot of times about storytelling and um, I, I suppose when, when we plan this one 
with the Aaron Baines situation and the, the conversations we've had about the NBL, the NBL tribunal over the years and its role in this incident, um, I wanted to backtrack because the first or one of the first real experiences that we both had at the tribunal, the first one we had together was game for game three. Five. Game five. Game five of the 2000 and... No, game uh, three because yeah, we... The one where I... Get, get game three because it was your home court, but you weren't... You, there was a potential for you to be suspended for game four. Um, so no, you're thinking... You're, you're thinking... You were thinking of game three is when you hit Reese Carter. The year yes, after, that's right. the year before was the year before was a game five, and you saved me from not missing international duties. This is actually true, um, but we, uh, we the, the <laughs> Melbourne Tigers, the, the Melbourne Tigers were playing the Sydney Kings in Sydney. We could step you by game by game. This one's the one I enjoyed talking about. Clearly, the other one's mm. the one you enjoy talking about. But um, no, fair to say that we were guarding each other and we were going at it quite significantly. And uh, Dave Thomas lined up, shot a three. I went to box you out and you gave me one of the best elbows I've ever gotten into my mouth and cut me open and my mouth was pissing out blood. And ironically, at the time, I was actually wearing braces because I had to get a little thing done with my teeth and... um, it worked out well for us on the scoreboard, and let, let's just let me give. I'll, I'll take this thirty seconds where Dave or DT's three went in. The referee called unsportsmanlike, so gave me the two shots and possession. So it turned into a seven-point possession for us, which we were grateful for in Game Five of the Grand Final Series. So thanks for that again. Um, but we. <laughs> We got to the tribunal afterwards, and as you say, I'd, I'd forgot. I, I was thinking game three to feed and miss game four, but the international duty. And we sat in the tribunal and we spoke before, and, and we debriefed the, the grand final. And I got online and spoke to a, a tribunal, and we're talking about the old tribunal system here. That it, it was. Such this has a nothing to do with the. This has nothing to do with the new NBL under the Larry Kesselman regime. This is way back in the past. Good caveat. Um, but the tribunal system, we sat on a Zoom call and we're watching this film of you give me the biggest, like literally throw an elbow into my jaw. I'm not sure how far we're going to exaggerate. Almost broke my jaw, knocked teeth out, but it cut me open. And some of my good photos I've got, I've got blood in my mouth still. But um, we quite literally had discussed it before the tribunal and said, let's just say that my braces cut my gums open. And the NBL went, so he didn't get you? No, nah, he glanced at hardly felt it. I'm like, geez, I would have been out for concussion protocol. But they went, oh, well, there's nothing to talk about then. Is that exactly how you remember it? Yeah, and, and um, the uh, the slab of CC and dry that I had to drop off at your house afterwards. Um, well, well, of so, course. <laughs> but yeah, basically, basically um, and if I could put myself back in my shoes for a second of, of why it all happened, um, it was a skip pass from 
um, <laughs> DMAC to DT. Um, and I turned my head and I saw you there. And um, ultimately, young me thought it would be in our best interest if I gave you a good shot. And, you know, it was a game five of a grand final. I'd, I'd, we'd been uh, pantsed in my first ever year in a 3 nil zip uh, sweep. We had lost to that Brisbane team, uh, the really good one the year before that in the semifinals. And this was our second chance, well, my second chance of trying to win a championship. And I literally looked at it as if I get rid of Anstey, we've got our best chance to win. Um, kudos to you for taking one hell of a shot uh, because I did try to put my elbow into your back of your throat. Um, uh, but you're right. Um the old system and the way that it was was Mickey Mouse is probably the nicest way that we could put it, to tell you and, the truth. And that was a game after you guys had that, that comeback with Dante Draper and Gorge running around the court and we were we should have locked it up the game before. So it was an important game. But I, I think the interesting part is, or the, the, the part that we still find humour in, you, you go to the next year, you're now playing at the Dragons. Uh, I'm still the Tigers. We're, we're playing against each other again and... You guys, it's one all, and we're game three in, a, in, in the grand final series, and uh, that's professional. Chris, have your alarm go off? Good. Um, but um, <laughs> Reese Carter had been niggling at me all game long, and eventually I thought I'm going to give him a. And he came in my path. I hip and shouldered him. He flopped. Um, I got him okay, but. Not as much as and, and Mika Vicona came in and what did Luke Kendall do? Well, Luke Kendall, <laughs> well, he tried to uh, remove Mika Vicona from <laughs> the. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I did. Can it, I think this could. Is it fair to say that Kendall sucked up a little bit about your little? He sucked up a little bit. Yeah, yeah he sucked up a little bit. We, we might just have to bring that up on every single podcast from here on in until he doesn't. Um, this is going to be the Chompers to uh, Beck Judd kiss sort of situation from here on out. We're just going to bring it up at every chance that we can. The Gary Lyon stretcher video. Um, but uh, so I got Reese and you got. I got ejected from the game, uh, and I got reported. Uh, the game, in my defence, that game we were done. This this was late in the game and you guys had a, a close on unassailable lead. But when I got reported, I'm thinking, shit, that, that's a whole different thing. I, you know, missed game four and you let the team down. And we got on the phone that night. I'm like, all right, were though that CC and dry that that uh, <laughs> that you paid me last year? I've got it coming back at you. Get in Reese Carter's ear and tell him I hardly touched him. And I, th I think the thing was with both of us, I know my thought w was always I wanted to beat teams at their best and that's where your head went, where you're like you wanted to beat the Melbourne Tigers with me playing uh, as opposed to having in what you said was kind of an asterisk. But we sat in the tribunal and Reese was like, yeah, I flopped. He hardly touched me, I flopped. Um, there was an overreaction. We're glad he was out of the game. I was happy to get thrown out of the game too because if I'm out and he's out, we've got an advantage. And the tribunal went, okay, nothing to see here. And we moved on. I played game four and we won. And then you guys ended up winning the championship. There you go. I said it. Well done. Congratulations. <laughs> but 
I can tell you, after game four, I was having some serious thoughts. I was having some serious thoughts. You know, game four was one of the best ones I've had. That was a lot of fun. But I I probably understand. I did get him good, but um, I I think Reese was one of the first guys I had a beer with. You know, I came and found you guys in your celebratory uh, that night in at the, the, not the pig and whistle, whatever it's called there in St Kilda. But I, I think the reason we bring that up is because when this thing happened with Bainesy on the weekend and... Bainesy, we, we won't go back into the incident now, but he's since been suspended for five games. Video footage has come out of the incident in the tunnel. Uh, but the tribunal process seems to be working a lot better now. I think the penalty for Bainesy was fair. I, I stand by what I said about I hope Bainesy's doing okay because an incident like that doesn't happen or multiple incidents over the over a 10 or 15-minute period of time doesn't happen without there being at least something else nagging. So my hopes, Baines, is okay. My hope is he enjoys, or not he's, not he enjoys it, he's able to settle into a little bit of time away from the game or away from the group. And, yeah, again, the professional the professionalism of the NBL has improved in that space. Uh, the bullets will hurt not having him. Uh, but I thought it was a pretty good result for all involved. Or a pretty accurate result for all in, for all involved. I, I got a few questions that came from the leaked video. Obviously, that shouldn't have been leaked to the public. Sure. Um, but my first question was, where was Bainsey coming from? Because once it all happened, the entire Brisbane team came from the other side of the of the path. So where was he before that? Well, the other the team the, had already got the team had gone out, I believe, of the locker room, and Bainesy might have been taking a piss or whatever he was doing, tying up uh, his shoelaces. Gotcha. But, but but came out behind the rest of the team. Gotcha. So I, um, I don't think there was anything sinister in that. Okay, I, I yeah, that bit was unclear to me. Um, the second bit is Adam Ford used to be a prison guard, so uh, he sure did. That that wouldn't have <laughs> that wouldn't even gone off on his Richter scale. Um, I thought his professionalism, not to say anything, yep, worked out to his advantage. And I thought the unprofessionalism of Stu Lash to accuse showed probably where Brisbane still are, even though they're showing a better on-court chemistry this year. There still seems to be issues off-court. But for five games, uh, yeah, I just just hope Baines is okay. That's my main thing. Uh, Out of everything else, take away the suspensions, take away whatever... I just hope Baines is okay because uh, he's obviously he's passionate, he's intense at times. Um, you just just hope that he's he's doing okay. I want to go back to the Stulash part. In some way, I'm glad the video came out because. There need there's got to be a penalty for that because to bring a head coach of a professional NBL basketball club's reputation into disrepute 
with factually with a factually inaccurate statement with a lie i mean where does that sit i mean take a leaf out of the cans taipan's book and shut up let the process happen don't lie to protect people in your group but again such a disappointing outcome for the Brisbane Bullets franchise as a whole. Yeah, we were close to Sam McKinnon's departure last year and, and heard some stories that we won't share, but the absent the absenteeism of their owners in the United States, the, the planting someone in to micromanage the entire program and then have a platform to make a comment like that, that, that to me should be punished by the NBL. If you, if I was to nitpick, the NBL needs to go one step further, and there needs to be a penalty involved for that action, as much as it not not as big a penalty maybe, but didn't he get fined? I hope so, but it was. Anyway, I let think me he ask got fined. Let me ask you this: How many NBL fines did you ever pay that you got fined? I didn't pay a cent of any time I ever got fined. Yeah, and um, I know you've got a better I, story than me, but. If if I add zero dollars to zero dollars and then divide it, I, yeah, zero still. Anyway, it's disappointing. We hope Baines is okay. Is our big thing, but um, let's move on. Oh, no, and it, it might be a, it might be an interesting jump. And we're going back and forth here, but we had a good conversation about mental health, mate. And you've been an advocate, and you've spoken very openly about it over the last couple of years. And you know. I think enough people know Bainesy, among other guys in the NBL, and I'm actually close with Matty Johns, who I was really proud of the way he spoke uh, leading up to the blackout round in the uniforms that they wore. And I, I sit back from afar and then I, I see some stories unfolding in the United States and the NBA, and you, you hear the comments that Kai Jones made uh, and if you haven't heard these, we're not going to back up over them, but, but go and Google them. Uh, the charges against Mikhail Bridges, um, the charges against Kevin Porter Jr. And I, I, I'm not even sure exactly where I'm going, but I, I just want you to speak to, I, I suppose, the fishbowl that athletes live in, the mental health issues that more people that, yeah, players eventually act out or people, oftentimes people who are suffering act out, but we only get the worst result, like we got with Bainesy, like we might have with Kai Jones. Um, you know, when I was back at the Dallas Mavericks, we had uh, a, a kid named Leon Smith who we found sitting with tribal headwear in the middle of a, round, a, a roundabout in Dallas um, after refusing to run laps and telling Don Nelson to run laps and threw away his three-year guaranteed contract. Uh with what we would now know to be mental health issues. So talk to me about your experience, whether it's you, whether it's people you've been around and just the impact that mental health does have on athletes leading up to the time that they act out. Yeah. Well, I won't speak on others. I'll just speak on myself. Um, mental health was something that I used to probably pick on and I didn't th think was a real thing. Um, like most of Australia, um, I was a bit arse backwards in thinking that 
mental health with some sort of weakness. I still believe that some people use mental health as a cop-out card now. However, for the people that actually go through it, um, it can be suffocating at times. And uh, common sense isn't relevant. Your your actual thoughts that are unreasonable and um, make no sense to anyone else, make perfect sense to you. And um, I can only assume that there is a number of athletes right now going through it. We as spectators, as fans, as members, as supporters of basketball clubs or football clubs or whatever it may be, typically only get to see the end product of a Saturday or a Sunday game. Um, and we don't get to see the Monday through to Friday. What happens in a Monday through to Friday uh, is typically a byproduct of what happens on a Saturday or Sunday. You typically have a good training session. You feel good about yourself. You go into the weekend. You typically play with a confidence level a little bit higher and, you know, you feel good about yourself. For the people that struggle Monday to Friday and, and they do struggle Saturday and Sunday, um, it's not a noticeable thing. It can be very silent. I think there was a soccer club that just came out with a video of two fans supporting. One looked like he had depression. The other one looked like a fanatic. And the video keeps going on and on, showing how, you know, uninterested he was in the game and all that. And then um, the guy that was the fanatic, he was the one that killed himself. And that was the, you never know what depression looks like. Um, I think it would be wrong for any of us to assume just because someone's an athlete that they've got everything that they want or that everything in their life is going well. Um, mental health can come in many forms of depression, anxiety, <laughs> suicidal thoughts and more. And uh, it's always, I think we've come to an era now where it's really easy to troll people online um, and spew venom behind a keyboard. Um, but you never know what someone's going through. So before you do make those sort of comments or you do say something that, you know, you wouldn't say to your mum or your dad or your brother or your sister, just think about what could be going on in their daily lives. Uh, because uh, in those moments, words can have a lot of impact on someone that is struggling. We, uh, we both know people who have been through it, who have battled and are still battling with it. So uh, maybe a bit of a shout out. And they know who they are. We know some of them listen. So I think the best thing we can do is be there for them. Uh, we love them. And uh, as you say, I think that when we, just to tie it up with when the Bainsey thing happened, we both spoke to each other within about a minute uh, and we wondered if he was okay. Um, our hope is that sports fans where possible have that same sort of patience and understanding that uh, just wait until you've got all the details before you judge. And this is not but, us saying that Baines has got a mental health issue. This is us shining a light on mental health uh, on all aspects of sport. Um, and I've seen some of the comments online about Bainesy, um and and others just... Uh, 
just just be careful what you say. That's that's all we're saying. Let's uh, let, let's lighten it up a little bit and uh, let's jump into the basketball and and probably the biggest conversation point. We got an email or we got a message uh, on. You still say Twitter, but extra from Dan Ewing, who we love. So we know he's listening. So Dan, hello, hello mate. We enjoyed the chat, and I'm going to read it straight out, and I'll let you take it up. As an unbiased Sydney King supporter, is Bryce Cotton still King Cotton? Is this still his league? He is one of the NBL's best ever imports, but does he? But is he still on top after the Perth Wildcats' obvious decline in success of late? Asking for a mate whose name's Jalen. Well, first things first. Um... I don't think you can meet a more biased fan than uh, Dan. <laughs> um, look, I think he raises a fair point whether Jalen Adams is number one right now. I don't, I don't know, but I've sensed that Bryce has not been the same Bryce since Trevor Gleeson left, it's fair to say. And Trevor ran uh, an offense that was very suited to Bryce, um, along with having chemistry with a team that knew how to get Bryce a shot. Um, I haven't seen that sort of chemistry since Trevor's left, whether it been under Scott Morrison or John Reilly to this date. Uh, Jalen Adams has obviously came back and putting up similar numbers to his MVL, M- MVP season uh, two seasons ago. Uh, you could argue that it's probably a couple people. I think Mitch Creek has been very good for a couple of years now and has been able to put his team on his shoulders, not take him to the promised land, but been knocking on the door for a while. Chris Golding has been good for so, so long um, and always seems to play big in big moments, which goes a long way as well. The one thing I've noticed about Bryce as a casual Wildcats um, onlooker for the last couple of seasons is he gets really tired at the end of the season from running around as much as what he has to to be able to create his own shot and whatnot. And so we haven't seen the quote-unquote cotton time as much of late, um, merely because there hasn't been that many moments where he's knocked down shots. So you go, well, that's what he does. And so... I think potentially the narrative has been King Cotton for the last couple of years, but I'd sort of tend to agree with Dan. He just hasn't been the same player as what we've seen three years ago. Your thoughts? I'll always reference it, and my overriding opinion is comparison's a thief of joy, so I've never argued that he's the greatest. I've never argued he's not. I enjoy watching Bryce Cotton, and the few times I've spoken to him... uh, I think he's really, really level-headed. What I'll say is that the only other year that Jalen Adams was in the league, Jalen Adams won MVP. Uh, Jalen Adams is clearly one of the most talented imports that this league's had in a number of years. Uh, He hasn't been here that long. He was here for a year. He was gone. He's back again. Uh, One of the things when you begin to discuss greatness as longevity and championships. One thing Bryce has done is he's won. And you mentioned Trevor Gleeson. I think 
it's really rare to find a coach that absolutely suits you and gets the absolute best out of you. And I think Bryce had that in Trevor. And I think Trevor knew exactly how to utilize Bryce. And, you know, it's always different when you chop and change systems, chop and change coaches. It, it's feel, it's rhythm. And I agree with you. I, I don't think the structure that they've put around him, nor the teammates. And one of my strongest feelings is when the conversation was really, really strong about Bryce Cotton being one of the greatest in the league. He had an exceptional group of veteran decision makers around him, led by Damian Martin. At times, he had Sean Redditch, he had Jesse Wagstaff, Maddie um, Knight, Maddie Knight. Um, he had really great decision makers around him. Now, the Webster boys are talented. Usher's talented. Are they great decision makers? They're okay but not with the years of experience the other guys around him had to know how to free him up. And, and that's part of it. You, you've got to know how to free your stars up. And I just don't think Perth have got that right. Um, ticking over to, you know, a lot of – I've had a lot of calls about John Rilly's tenure as head coach, as we did with Scott Morrison. It's such a hard job to take that Perth Wildcats job. I mean – They've got one game against Adelaide this weekend. You just expect they win. If they lose that, we'll have some really interesting conversations. But we assume they win that. We assume they get rolling. Yeah. It's I, been I the same that, issue, though. It's been the same issue with Perth. And all you heard in the last press conference was defence. We don't defend. We don't rebound well enough. Um Jordan Usher's comments, there's not enough chemistry in the team yet. Chemistry is one of those things that takes time, but you can see, like, what's Brisbane seems like they've got fairly decent chemistry already. I like the way that they played out the game versus United, even though they they didn't have a chance of winning. They were building a good habit of keep playing until the final siren. Um, I haven't yet to see what Perth's identity is. I think they've got a lot of talent on their team, but uh, you've got to be able to mesh that talent together to play hard and defensively. This is why I think both Sydney and Melbourne are the clear favourites is because I, they they both play defence. B, they both crash the boards hard. They go after it. Um, so I think that's the winning recipe right now in, in the NBL. Sydney and Melbourne both beat Brisbane. They both had two win weekends. And for me, the best two teams in the league right now, they're clearly the deepest. Uh, we hope that Delhi's okay. He took a knock against Brisbane concussion protocol. So it sounds like he's going to miss three or four games. And, and we hope that he's okay. Um, you know, Melbourne have experienced that with Shea and or Shea Ely's gone through that recently. You've already mentioned Matty Knight on the podcast uh, his numerous concussions led him to an early retirement. So we certainly hope Delhi's okay. Um, I, I want to, and this one we hadn't written down, but we've spoken a lot about the next stars since this season started. We've spoken about the, the, the better players in the league. Jalen Galloway has been exceptional to start this league uh, to start this season. I, I think of all of the next stars, you know, we've, we've talked about Tar Armstrong. We haven't mentioned Jalen Galloway, but for me, 
his speed, his balance, his length, the, the talent of players who are surrounding him, yet he still finds his time to shine. I think he's built to be an elite defender. He's built to, re- to rebound out of his cylinder uh, and to out-rebound you know, three and four men, and he can defend a two. Um, my understanding, and like I said, this wasn't on the run sheet, I don't believe he's draft eligible. I think, draft eligible. I think he went through the process once, so he would have to sign with an NBA team as a, you know, on a two-way or, or in a non-guaranteed or something at the end of the year. But this early into the season, outside the next stars, I fully expect Jalen uh, Galloway to be wearing an NBA jersey within a week or two of this NBL season finishing. He's been impressive, hasn't he? Um, I was just looking at the stats because I'm like, I swear every game that he has about three steals a game as well. And sure enough, three steals on on the dot per game. Um, he's just he's just versatile. Good speed, good finisher, able to knock down a shot, defends. He's the most improved player in the league currently. After a small sample size, he is the most improved player so far this year. Um, and I'd have him winning by a considerable margin at this point. Uh, he's, he's, I think a lot has gone on Tui and the expectation of Tui. And he's sort of been chugging along alongside of him. And I think he's just uh, playing a really solid role for the Sydney Kings currently. We mentioned... Last week, I think it was, we came up with a couple of ideas about you know, fairness around the draw with the NBL times NBA games or NBL versus NBA games. And, you know, it's a topic we have touched on, but I feel it's really worthwhile touching on again is, you know, when the Adelaide 36ers beat the Phoenix Suns, the NBL shouted it from the rooftops. You, you couldn't scroll three stories without seeing an NBL post, an NBL story, someone with a microphone reminding us that it's not a cupcake league. G'day, homicide. We hope you're doing well. Uh, the NBL telling everyone it's the second best league in the world. Uh, the Taipans have lost two games by 40 or you know, 35 and over 50. The Breakers have lost by 40-something, maybe 50 we, the three games so far with one remaining have been, I don't want to say embarrassing, but it's a word that's come back from the United States. Like you, you guys have sent, who have you sent across this time? It's been embarrassing. So, And the thing is, we haven't heard about it from the NBL. I, I think if you're going to stick your flag um, and, and shout it from the ceilings, I've just completely stuffed up that saying. If you're going to, if you're going to shout something from the rooftops, um, you need to stick by it when it's not going quite as well. And this has been a really tough one for the NBL. Uh, it's one where we get a really good glimpse of how far behind with regard to talent, athleticism, size we are here in the NBL. You know, if we're not absolutely on the top of our game. But have you, I mean, how much have you seen? I don't think you would have seen much, but. I uh, haven't seen, that? haven't seen much and haven't given it much thought to tell you the truth. Uh, 
for me, uh, the biggest thing was always going to be when they come back, what does it look like for them? Um, so Cairns is finished and they'll be on their way home uh, tomorrow or today. Uh, New Zealand's still got one more game, right? They play tomorrow morning. They do. They play the term? Utah Jazz in the morning. So they've got that. Then they've got to come back and play Melbourne in Melbourne on Sunday. <laughs> uh Cairns, Cairns do not have a game this week, zero games. And then the following week, so that's on a Sunday. Then on Thursday, New Zealand play again versus Adelaide and Cairns play in Illawarra for their first game back. And then uh, two days later, New Zealand are back to Melbourne to play the Phoenix and Cairns uh, at home versus the Sydney Kings. Do you think those teams are licking their lips with fresh meat to be had? Um, Absolutely they are. Oh, they should be. Uh, I feel sorry for New Zealand. That's a horrific schedule to come back to. I'm assuming that they're not even going to fly home to New Zealand. They'll go straight to Melbourne from this game, try and freshen up, play Melbourne, go home, play against uh, at home, uh, four days later, and then fly back to Melbourne the next day to play another game. In a league that is not a lot of room for error, that schedule scares me for New Zealand. And I would have thought that New Zealand probably would have been in that fourth, fifth sort of spot in where they sit currently for me. But if this goes all tits up for them in the next week or two, this could put them in a position that there might be six and out instead and, that, and this is this is why this nbl nba is frustrating at times you had them as low as fourth or fifth i you know when we chatted we we thought maybe third or fourth but i agree with you 100 percent that the league's so close that a series of games like this it can really put a dent in your season um Tell you what, for those, and, and we know we've got a few who don't mind having you know, a couple of dollars on a couple of basketball games, I'd be looking at the uh, the Taipans and the Breakers games coming up, especially given the fact, especially New Zealand might start favouring one or two of their next couple of games. I, there might be uh, a little bit of value to be had. Hey, uh, before we go, j- just tying up the NBA games, do the Taipans have an import spot available? No, they've got uh, Miller, McCall, and Roberts. So Alfred Payton coming in and playing NBA veteran came in. He had twenty-one points, seven rebounds, and seven assists in twenty-seven minutes, albeit in a forty-one point loss. But is that just an SOS to, so they don't get beaten? I mean, what's the point of bringing in someone like that for one game? <coughs> If you don't intend to at least look at them, sign them, is are they looking to replace well, anyone? They they had McCall and Taron Armstrong miss the game with injury, and they had uh, Wardenberg and Menenga miss the previous game. Wardenberg played this played game. This Menenga did, didn't play the last, uh, either one of the games, and I think it was just a matter of stock because they do have to come back and play, and so there would be an agent that said, "Look." This is beneficial for you to have him to help as far as bodies go. 
And this is an opportunity for him to show his stock to NBA teams as well. Um, so it's not the first time that this has happened in the NBL NBA games where we've seen imports come in for a one-off uh, to help support a team body-wise. Um, I'd, I'd imagine if you're the type ends, you're really happy with Patrick Miller. You're really happy with Taron Armstrong. You're not going to get rid of Tajir McCall. I think it was just a body thing. What, what, could, what, could, could possibly another team look at what he's done? Absolutely. Adelaide needed a spot to be filled that hasn't been filled yet. So is that a DJ Vasiljevic? Is that... Uh, I, I like the fact that he hasn't been able to sign yet. And I, the reason for that, I think everyone expects it to be a fait accompli, but you can't reward players for walking out of their contract with a year left and then deciding to go to another club. Um if the Kings, I mean, clearly the Kings have their right. And the way I understand it is they have to give Adelaide or relinquish permission. DJ's contract, yep. give him permission to sign it, but they yep. can hang off as long as they like. Um, yep. It's going to be a really interesting one. He He's the sort of scoring guard that the Adelaide 36ers need, but tell you what, they're digging themselves in a hole and they're spending a lot of money to be a not a very good basketball team. Um don't even need you to comment on that. Um, Taron Armstrong, what's the update? I, I haven't heard anything coming out of Cairns. They, they need him back and on the floor. He's one of the guys we were most excited about watching. I think I think they're just probably preserving him, play that one game, get him ready for when he comes home um, because he had the, the ribs injury beforehand. So I'm only assuming that this is just let's just freshen him up get him some run on the court. But I was impressed by what I saw. Like, I know the, the NBA commentators were not so keen, but some of those wraparound passes that he's doing, <laughs> like, his vision is better than advertised. I've said that on X. I can't get used to saying that. Twitter. No, the, the, other, the other day. But um, I think he's going to be really, really good in the NBL system um, when he's up and going and, it's uh, going to be interesting to see how they work that with Patrick Miller because Patrick Miller has been really good for him to start the season as well. Surprisingly good. He struggled at the Blitz. Um, looking forward to seeing Taran. Looking forward to seeing if DJ Vasiljevic works out. And uh, on a personal note, it's been fun uh, starting to make some calls about putting a roster together for the Taranaki years in the New Zealand Basketball League. So plenty going on here in Australia. The NBA is warming up. Uh, it's been fun to uh, put on a suit and tie. I, I don't really, but... Um, I'm, I'm grateful to be the Taranaki Airs' number one supporter in WA. We will give you that role. You consider <laughs> it done. Uh, I'm actually over to New Zealand next week to uh, watch their uh, their three-on-three tournament, so looking forward to seeing some people on the ground. I'm, I'm looking forward to coming to Melbourne on Thursday, mate. We... Well, we're not. We maybe we will do one of these before then. But yes, I'll see you Thursday. I'm going to take you down to the pub. We're going to have a look at the pub that I bought. We uh, we've got a couple of beers sitting in there for you. Even though we're going to get there at eight thirty in the morning, uh, we've got you in Melbourne for the weekend. Uh, inverted commas for your bucks weekend. So we'll have a good weekend. We've promised we're going to try to get one of these done while you're here. Yeah. We didn't get it done last time, and you reckon we will? But I'm still unsure. But. Uh, I reckon a 2 a.m. special is on the cards. Oh, we'll stay tuned for that one, everyone. If you uh, 
if you ever want to be cancelled, well, we might just get it one day. <laughs> well, good on you. We'll see you Thursday. Cheers, mate.